Get ready. Three, two, one, zero. You are listening to the Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Fantasy Joe's Podcast. Your weekly dose of fun and unique fantasy football talk with a focus on dynasty. And now, here are your hosts, Ryan Livergood, Trey Barrett, and Will Greenwood. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. We've got a special guest tonight. It is the author of the soon-to-be-released book, The Analytics of Dynasty. You read his work on Fantasy Pros. You've heard him on the UTH Dynasty podcast and several other of your favorite Dynasty podcasts recently and on the Fantasy Joes in the past. And tonight he's back. He just can't get enough of the Joes. It's the one and only Jordan McNamara. What's going on, Jordan? Guys, thanks for having me. A little repeat, uh, little repeat visit with you guys. So I'm looking forward to it. Thanks a lot for having me. Well, well, thanks for coming back. You, you helped us. I, at least me in particular a lot in my rookie drafts. I think. I think it's going to prove to be uh, useful the the advice you gave me. But we'll get into that in a second. First of all, what's going on from North Carolina, Trey Barrett? Well, I'm back on the farm from the beach. It was sad the vacation had to end, but um, I'm pretty excited, man. I'm super. Super excited to be talking about our flag plant players of 2018 tonight. And, uh, you know, tomorrow night kicks off the, you know, best week, probably the only week really worth paying close attention to a preseason. So it's actually almost real football. That's right. And from the home office in Minneapolis, Minnesota, it's Will Greenwood. What's up, Will? It's built to last, everybody. Uh I was looking through some preseason notes after two week two of the preseason last year, and there was a, a quite a few mentions of saying, "Hey, you know, Alvin Kamara probably is going to be be much more than a dynasty stash on your rosters." So, two weeks into the preseason, I haven't really bought too much into the information. It's definitely there's been some fun plays. Turns out Patrick Mahomes can throw as far as he can throw in practice, so that's fun to see. Uh, but yeah, it's been. Uh, I'm glad to have football back on you know, back uh, on TV and watching, and uh, the excitement's just starting to go. We still have two more weeks, so everybody walk carefully, don't tear ACLs, and let's get to the regular season. We're going to get into the regular season so soon. We're excited about it. Um, we're we're going to get into our what we're calling our Joe's bros, the, the guys that we think are going to stand out this summer, and some guys that maybe not everyone else is talking about. But first, Jordan, I want to talk a little bit about your book, uh, The Analytics of Dynasty. I bought it, and, and I haven't seen it yet. However, you still have that deal open, right? If people buy your book, is it before September 2nd, they get a one-on-one strategy session with you? Yep, you got to get it on or before September second. It's a you had one. We probably had one. What a couple weeks ago now? Yeah, and I have to say it was awesome. It was so great. So much information. I'm and and you, what the strategy session we talked a little bit about my teams, my strengths and weaknesses, a little bit about what's in the book, and and just like got me really excited for the book. And and I said, Jordan, we got to have you back on the show, and we got to talk about a little, give give folks a little bit of teaser of what's in the book. So. Um, yeah, no, the strategy session is, is, is worth it. So what does is, what is the book cost? And, and tell us about, you know, some, like, what do you want to share from the book? Yeah, so the book's $25. And with the book, what you'll get is, with that $25 purchase, you'll get a, if you order before September 2nd, you'll get a copy of the book when it comes out in January in time for your startup drafts. Um, and you also get a strategy session, a one-on-one strategy session with me. Um, in the strategy session, uh, we'll talk about, you know, we can talk about strategies from the book, some, some things that I found from the book that I think are um, contrary to a lot of the narratives that go on in fantasy football. And I think that that stuff's important. Uh, optimizing your team builds, how to construct your rosters more efficiently, uh, how to 
make some in-season trades. I think I, there's some strategies that I have that are different than I think that are common wisdom. So I think that they can really help you in sort of how you build your team and sort of how you maximize the upside to really win a dynasty league. So a lot of that stuff, uh, we'll get together, we'll talk. Uh, a lot of the scheduling that I've been doing for folks that have been ordering now is talking in season. Let's get, you know, let's get into week two, week three, week four of the regular season, sort of see where our teams are at and have a conversation then. Because I think that can really shape how, how you go forward as a dynasty, as a dynasty team, dynasty owner, and how your roster goes forward. So yeah, it's been, um, it's been a lot of things. I mean, a lot of things about rookie drafts. I was just editing my rookie draft section today. It's about, it's probably going to end up being about 25, 30 pages, um, just in terms of a lot of the history and stuff, like how you maximize value and different things to look for in drafts that are just cues to, to what I would say really good picks uh, historically. Um, and a lot of work on startup drafts. So it's been great. There's a lot of information in the book. And I think, like I said, you can find some of my work at analyticsdynasty.com. That's where you can actually buy, you can buy the book, pre-order there. Uh, and you can find some of the things. I have some, uh, a new article that I wrote earlier this week on Brandon Cooks and why a lot of the narratives, I mean, there's a lot of narratives that just drive fantasy football that I found that some of them are just not true. And you can sort of see that with Brandon Cooks as being one of those examples. So if you want to check out that content, there's some other stuff up there. Um, and go ahead and pre-order analyticsofdynasty.com, $25 before September 2nd, and you'll get a copy of the book in a strategy session for 25 bucks. And we'll put that link in the, in the show notes. So if you're listening to the podcast now, you can just click on the show notes, click directly to the link. Time to get into tonight's main segment, the Joe's Bros. These are guys that we are – putting our chips on going into the 2018 season. And maybe we have some insight into their dynasty value moving forward past the 2018 season. So these are guys that, that we like the Joe's bros. Trey, you want to lead us off? I would love to, I would love to. And, and the guy that I'm going to talk about is, uh, you know, it's, this is not the first time that you're going to hear me mention this gentleman's name. But he's a guy that I'm decisively planting a flag on for 2018, and that's Alex Collins. Uh, I know, you know, we don't have to rehash where he's been, where he came from, that he was cut by the uh, Seattle Seahawks and, and then came to Baltimore. Uh, but what I do want to focus on, for those of you who haven't heard, is, you know, uh, PFF puts out their run grades. Uh, he was the number one graded running back last year, uh, slightly ahead of Kareem Hunt, Todd Gurley, Dalvin Cook, C.J. Anderson, you know, quality running backs. He, he was fourth in the league uh, with the most 12-plus yard runs. And I think tied. I think he was tied with Gurley and Lev Bell or one more than one of those guys. Um, so I, I think that people are sleeping on Alex Collins, and he's hardly been used in the preseason. They're kind of treating him just like he's going to be their starter. I know that Buck Allen is likely to be involved. And I know that there's a lot of people out there that are still big fans of Kenneth Dixon and, and he's likely to be involved. But um, I believe that Alex Collins is going to have an incredible year this year. He's a running back that I want to own on my teams in 2018. Alex Collins, why don't we let Jordan go first and, and react to the Alex Collins pick for, for just 2018? Yeah, it's interesting, right? That Seattle uh, has Alex Collins and then they, you know, cut him. And then now they draft Rashad Penny uh, with too high of a pick. And now he's basically being cast aside. Like if they had just kept Alex Collins, they maybe could have invested in an offensive lineman. Um, I like the pick. Uh, you know, this is a team that does 
add value at the running back position. And we, you know, they can churn out running back production and it doesn't really uh, have to be someone all that sexy. So I think he's locked in. Like I, I just don't buy the kind of thicks and hype and Javoris Allen's a supplemental ancillary type piece to their offense. I think it's Alex Collins. Uh, I'm not sure how much long-term, but for this year, I think, I think he's certainly the guy there to own uh, at least as of right now, unless something changes. Yeah. I mean, he terrifies me a little bit uh, with that. He had a good season last year and we look at like statistically and what he did uh, guys who like a lot of film stuff. It's a mixed bag of, of what they feel. Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of Chris Harris and he's, he's one of the guys who really looks at it. He's really not a big fan of Collins. Uh, I, you know, you guys saw in a league that we were together. I want to, I got him in, in, in a deal. So I definitely, I, I like it. I like that team. I like what they have on the offensive line. And that's kind of what I'm buying into is that at worst, he's going to be okay. And he's going to be a, a solid starter on your team. So that's, I just don't feel like there's a ton of downside for this year. Uh, he's not making a lot of money. They don't have, they don't have anything else invested in him. So if they feel like they had a really good offensive line and he underperforms, I can see the Ravens taking like a running back next year. Uh, and that would change things. Yeah. I just said what, what you guys have said, you know, the offensive line is going to be better this year. I think the offense is going to be better. I think Joe Flacco is going to have a pretty decent year and, and I think they'll move the ball better. He'll get more red zone, red zone opportunities. So Alex Collins, good call Trey. Like it. We're off to a strong start, I believe. So will Greenwood, do you want to follow it up with another good call for a, a, a Joe's bro for this year? So my number one Joe's bro, I'm going to lead off with is Jay Ajayi. And it's totally based on my belief in the, the Philadelphia offense. And it is buying into last year's performance from them. They're still the number one ranked offensive line on pro football focus. And I just think his opportunity is going to be massive. Uh, JHI is a good football player. And there they're going to, you know, they're going to want to run the ball a little bit more. Uh, Wentz is coming back from the injury. I think their defense only improved last year. I know that's speculating because defenses can be random. But JHI is so, I feel like so cheap right now that you have an opportunity to get a guy who can, or to get a player that makes a difference week to week. Uh, and his touchdown upside is immense. You know, I, I love Jaron Sproles, but he's, he's old. I mean, he's so old now. And I, I like Corey Clement, but I don't see him. You know, he's, we have that kind of uh, that bias because he flashed so hard in the playoffs last year. I think that, that JJ is, is a really, really good value right now. So I uh, have have him on, I've been trying to require him as best I can on most of my teams. And I think that he's going to be, I mean, I think he's going to finish his already one pretty easily this year. Hmm, interesting name, kind of a polarized name, Jordan. What do you think? I just, it looks like a committee to me, and I just, I don't know. And I, I just think there's other players sort of in his range that I like a little bit more. Um, I, I just, you just look at it. It looks like a committee, and I think a lot of things would have to break perfect for him to really produce that sort of top ten season. So I'm sort of out at his. I, I guess I would say I'm out at his cost compared to some of the players I could get in this draft range. Who bought Jordan's book and invited him? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I think, yeah, and I think it's totally fine because yeah, he's definitely disappointed. But anyway, I'm really, I'm, I'm loving him this year. Well, I think for me, JJ is a guy that I've kind of gone back and forth on the off season. I know I've talked about him on this show and that I like him. I think the talent's there. The question mark's always been the knee. And I saw actually uh, just now that, you know, he's not going to play in this third preseason game because he's dealing with a lower body, body injury. Um, and, and I do agree with Jordan. I think that things are setting up there for a uh, committee to kind of form. But, you know, I, I think that let's not forget that you want to own running backs in really good offenses. And so I think that the narrative is there where Jay Ajayi 
could put up, I mean, RB1 is probably, things would just have to fall perfectly. Like probably Corey Clement would have to get hurt early in the season, forcing Ajayi into more touches. But I really do think the talent's there. When, when I watched Ajayi when he was in the game, the end of the last three or four games of the regular season, the playoffs last year, he looked explosive. He caught the ball well. He hit the holes. He made broke tackles, got extra. I mean, he did all of the things you want to see from a feature running back. And I think that if the Eagles use him as a feature running back, RB1 is not out of the question. For me, the biggest question, and Jordan hit it, it's the usage. Um, and I think that the usage could be frustrating for Jai owners this year. But I love the call. I love, I love it. Yeah, I think the call is bold, and, and I don't love love him myself. But that being said, I think a lot of the running backs are drafting in that part of the of the draft. That they've all got question marks. They've they've all got some big question marks. And what he does have is is he has the, the potential to be in this very explosive offense. So I, I like the call. Um, I don't know that I love it, but yeah, I, I mean, for where you're getting him, I, I think he has quite a bit of upside compared to some other guys going in that area of the draft, in my opinion. So um, I guess I'll jump in next with um, my, my first guy. And, and this isn't, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe you know, if, if this was a hot, bold, spicy take, you guys would give me a banana pepper. So maybe this isn't so hot. But the guy I want to talk about is Evan Ingram. And the reason I want to talk about Evan Ingram is I feel that, you know, there, there's been some negative narratives out there about Evan Ingram about, well, he was the only guy last year. His targets are going to go way down. Now that Beckham's coming back, they got Saquon Barkley. Um, he's just not going to have as big a year. And, and I don't necessarily think that that's true. Uh, first of all, the whole target thing. He had 115 targets in 2017. And granted, maybe that'll go down a little bit. But look at what happened the past couple of years, uh, the way Eli Manning targeted his tight ends. 92 in 2016, and then 103 in 2015. And you remember who those guys were? Jordan, who were those tight ends on the Giants? Kevin Boss, maybe? <laughs> no, that's no, no, after Kevin Boss, <laughs> it, it, it's Will Ty and, and, and Larry, Larry Donald. Oh, right? that's right. Yeah. yeah. So these are not stellar tight ends. Okay. So, you know, even if he goes back to 100, you know, that still leaves, you know, Eli Manning, the past several years, averages about 600 pass attempts. So that still leaves 160, 170 for Beckham. Let's say we give 100, 110 targets to Barkley. Let's say we give 100 targets to Sir, uh, um, I always say Sterling Sharp, Sterling Shepard. Um, that still leaves plenty of targets for Evan Ingram. He's not going to have as many drops this year. He's going to be efficient. He's going to be fine. He's probably going to score more touchdowns. So, you know, you're, people are drafting Jimmy Graham ahead of him and Greg Olson. Don't do that. Take Evan Ingram. I think he's a value. I think there's too much negative narrative on him. What, what do you think, Jordan? I think when you, like, look at their offense, like, how is it not Eli Manning that's just an enormous buy? You know what I mean? Like, I sort of look at, like, if you're in on Ingram, and certainly, like, I think long-term, he's this, uh, a great play at tight end. He's a top three tight end for me long-term. Uh, this year, could we see a little bit of the regression in terms of usage? Probably, with with everyone sort of healthy. But I think that, like, if you think that Evan Ingram's in here, like you've got to, you've got to make Eli Manning a play. Like you just, you, if you think that Ingram and Beckham and Barkley are going to be sort of top 12 performers, which I think is sort of the common wisdom. I think that Evan, that Eli Manning is like quarterback 20 is just criminally undervalued. So he would be my bet in the, uh, I'm fine with Ingram, but I think Eli would be my bet in the offense. Ryan, I 
Love this take. Evan Ingram, get ready, is my number one tight end in Dynasty. And I'm going to tell you, I think that one of the things that's being slept on is Pat Shermer coming in and taking over as the head coach there in New York. Because I don't know, a lot of people may not even know this, but Shermer was the offensive coordinator that kind of molded Zach Ertz into the weapon that he is. If you look at Evan Ingram's rookie season, it's historic. Better than one Rob Gronkowski's rookie season. The mismatch that he is when they split him out wide, make no mistake, he is a wide receiver that you're putting into the tight end position in your lineups. So I love Evan Ingram. I don't think he, he may not be the, you know, number two or number three tight end um, like production that he had last season. I think he's an easy tight end one this year. And I think that he's going to continue to produce and with his age and the future with that offense, I love Evan Ingram. I love the call. And I do think you're right. People are, people are kind of sleeping on him. Yeah, I'm on board. I mean, the, the Evan Ingram, he's just the, with how that offense was last year, it does have, give me a little bit of timidness, but uh, I mean, what's, I can't poke any holes in Evan Ingram's game at the moment, as far as like, if he's going to be more efficient and catch the ball better, he's going to be a mega stud. And you want to tie it in on a good offense. So let's move on. So Jordan, who is your first guy you want to mention? Uh, my first guy I want to mention is uh, my pick to be the NFL MVP in 2018. And that's Matthew Stafford. Uh, he's currently going off as quarterback 12, 96 overall, according to fantasy bros. And I look at that offense and I see an offensive line that should be better than last year. Uh, I see Stafford coming off a season in which when he was healthy and upright and not nursing an ankle injury, like he was playing at an elite level. I see good matches with him, with Marvin Jones. I think you can't really find like a better fit for him stylistically in terms of Marvin Jones, where they both succeed. Like it's, it's a perfect mesh between the two of them. Um, Galladay should take a step forward. And those are probably targets that were going to an inefficient Eric Ebron last year. And I just hope that like the one thing I think that could hold them back is they're just infatuation with running Amir Abdullah up the middle on first and 10, like every trip and, you know, every, every drive, every series, it started with Amir Abdullah up the middle, but uh, you know, he's a long shot. He's 40 to one to win the MVP. Uh, I'm on that. Like, I think that he's, I think he's got a, a chance to finish his QB one this year. All right. I, I, I think that's an interesting call. I, I, I like his schedule this year. Um, when, when last I looked, I don't, I don't have strength and schedules in front of me, but no, I, I like the call. The weapons should, should be a good offense. They hopefully they'll have a running game with Karrion Johnson. So I love the call, Jordan. What do you think, Trey? Yeah, I like it. I think that um, they're going to run a lot of, three wide receiver sets. I think that they're going to do a lot in the passing game with the running backs. I, I think that it's a great call. I mean, the, you, we're talking about a quarterback that is perennially undervalued both in, in uh, redraft and in dynasty. So I think that it's incredible um, when the guy's right, when he's healthy, um, he is uh, electric mass producer. And I, I think that this is probably the best, three uh trio is what three uh wide receivers are called i think it's the best trio of wide receivers you know as far as you know uh, top to bottom um that he's worked with in detroit and so i, I think that he's got incredible potential yeah, i mean he made tj jones a dfs starter last year remember you see that the ron jones catching the ball you'd be like oh man come on 
I like it. Uh, Stafford is the number one overall. It's bold, and it's uh, it would be fun to watch. That I don't think their defense is gonna be very good, so it'll be uh, him just he's slanging the ball over everywhere. All right, it's back to you, Trey, for your next Joe's bro. So the next guy that I'm gonna be planting my flag on for 2018 is uh, we, we're going to go to uh, best offense in the NFL, best quarterback in the NFL. I'm going to go with Chris Hogan, wide receiver for the New England Patriots. Um, I, this is a guy that really throughout the offseason uh, has, I think, gotten a little bit of hype. His ADP right now is kind of in the middle of the fifth round. But I think that Chris Hogan has the potential and I believe is going to finish as a top 15 wide receiver. I think he has the easy potential to finish as a wide receiver one. Uh, Julian Edelman, as everybody knows, is out for the first few weeks of the 2018 season. I think Rob Gronkowski, we all know that he is kind of the motor that makes that passing offense run, but I don't think that anybody really expects him to, you know, command, uh, you know, 170 targets or anything crazy. And, and I think with Rob Gronkowski, he's likely to miss a couple games. I love Chris Hogan. I love the rapport that he, uh, the, all of the reports out of camp are that Tom Brady is targeting him. We've seen it in the preseason action. He's been there. Brady's looking his way. Um, I think I read something and I, I want to say uh, Evan Silva, I think maybe, or, or Graham Barfield, you know, are a couple of the guys that are on Chris Hogan. And one of them uh, tweeted out that he, through the first eight weeks of last year, was the wide receiver 10. So, you know, it, it, you're, you're looking at a half-season sample size. So it's not like it's unreasonable for him to put up this kind of production. I think that the transition from him, from Edelman to him be, being the wide receiver one in New England is happening in 2018. I'm, to I'm totally on board with that. And only Hogan at the beginning of last year was an amazing experience. And he's a good football player. His nickname was 7-11 when he was on the Bills. That's why? Because he was always open. That's an actual thing. <laughs> Jordan, your thoughts on Mr. Hogan? It's sort of pointing in the right direction for him, right? They cut Britt, like they've moved on from Jordan Matthews, like Edelman's out. Like it just sort of all signals like it's going to be like him sort of locked in as the, you know, the lead receiver while Edelman's out. And then, you know, as the wide receiver two when Edelman's, you know, the wide receiver one, wide receiver two, some type of matchup based thing when Edelman's back. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, you take receivers in good offenses, right. And that's with good quarterbacks. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's a good play. So yeah, I don't, I think that he's going off as what uh, wide receiver 26, according to fantasy pros uh, 59 overall. I mean, you look at some of the people in that range, like Elshon Jeffries got injury concerns. I mean, you know, court does Corey Davis take a step forward, you know, uh, Marshawn Lynch is going in that range. I mean, I, I kind of like where he's going uh, in terms of what he can offer compared to where he's going. Another thing, too, we've talked about this on past shows. There's no guarantee that Julian Edelman is going to come back and resume what, what he's done historically. I mean, he's old. He's, he's coming back from injury. You know, he, if you look at that, you know, that kind of age curve uh, on wide receivers, he's, he's kind of dropped off that age curve. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I like the call a lot. I, I think there's a, there's a real strong chance he he exceeds his ADP with his performance assuming he stays injury they're injury free um Chris Hogan so Will Greenwood 
your next Joe's bro. So my next Joe bro is a guy I've been talking about for a very long time. And that's Traquan Smith on the New Orleans Saints as a rookie wide receiver. And I just can't get enough of this guy. Uh, he does everything you want and what you want to see. Uh, he's uh, as far as like all the reports you're hearing, the general drumbeat. The drumbeat is something at least to follow along because you hear one great thing about somebody. It's like, okay, that's fine. I mean, uh, it can mean something, it could not. You can tell you to have a 100 yard receiving game in the preseason, it could mean nothing. But anyway, everything you've heard about Traquan Smith has been positive and what he's been going through. And I don't like the, the Saints didn't have a lot of draft picks this year and what they were doing. And they took him to the third round, which is, I mean, it's in the middle there. It's, it's not overly risky for them. But uh, definitely what's been interesting is they've, so they've cut Brandon Coleman and Tommy Lee Lewis has, has come off the roster as well. Not that that's a huge deal. But uh, now it's looking like, according to their beat writers, and what's happening is that he's overtaking what Ted Ginn is doing on the team. And he's going to be in there for more three wide receiver sets. And honestly, or if you're, you know, if you're 100% sold in Cameron Meredith and him being healthy and what he's doing, that's fine. But uh, Trickmont Smith is free at the end of redraft leagues. It was I mean, a third-round pick in a dynasty league is, is not a very expensive pick in what he's doing. So he's one of my guys for this year. I just think he's going to be startable. At the, I mean, if it's not the beginning of the year, I bet like halfway through the year, he could be a nice like wide receiver three for your redraft team. Yeah, I do like Traquan Smith. And, and I think that, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch this offense because we know that Drew Brees likes to spread the ball around. I know, Will, you're a big fan of Michael Thomas and, and what he's going to do this season. And, and I'm getting on board with that. It's going to be really interesting to see how the rest of the receptions go in that offense because Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara can't catch all the passes. So there's going to have to be uh, – there's likely going to be a screaming value somewhere in that uh, passing offense. I'm not quite sure where the ADP is right now on those guys, but, I, you know, with, with the volume of, of passing that happens um, in a Drew Brees offense and the quality of the passes coming at those wide receivers, you know, I, I think that it would be great to grab a couple of them. And, and Traquan Smith is a guy that I think is going to be, um, even if he doesn't meet expectations this year, he's a guy that I want on my dynasty roster. So I like I like the call a lot. So Jordan, after Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, of course, Ben Watson, is there going to be enough targets for Traquan Smith? I mean, I think it's a reasonable possibility that Ted Ginn gets cut. Like I've just seen some reports out of their training camp that, like just things aren't going well. Like there was just some odd criticisms of him, you know, as a veteran, just things that shouldn't be going on. I mean, you look at if, if he gets cut, I'm sort of, I would be in on Traquan Smith. He's going as wide receiver 92 at 265 overall. So you can basically get him for free in redraft leagues. My question is just in terms of what his volume could be. I mean, really to get it to wide receiver three type status, you need him to get in the range of a hundred targets uh, and we just tend to not see that out of rookies. So that would sort of be a concern. But if, you know, I'm willing to invest sort of long-term in Sean Payton, just I believe what he does on offense. I just, I'm not sure if it's going to be 2018. Um, but again, if you want to take him and stash him for a couple of weeks and sort of see how it goes, like it has, he has viability to be sort of a flex type play. Uh, and if it doesn't work out the first couple of weeks, just cut him. And I'm amazed he didn't laugh when I said Ben Watson there. I was kind of kind of joking. Kind of not. He's kind of like a deep, deep sleeper. Maybe he does something this year. We'll see if he can hold up with his advanced age. Um, I'm going to talk about probably the sexiest name on our list, the sexiest Joe Burrow of all. You know who I'm talking about, of course. That's Lamar Miller, everybody. The very sexy Lamar Miller. Um, maybe he's not the sexiest name in the world. Maybe he's not the most exciting, explosive, best player in the world. 
But let me tell you something about Lamar Miller. First of all, you can get him. I, I think he's going off at like the 26th running back in, in PPR leagues last time I checked. Um, but, but what do you want from a, from a guy like Lamar Miller? You want a guy that's going to be on the field. Well, last year he was uh, ranked sixth overall in the percentage of times he was on the, on the field for the Texans offense. So he'll be on the field. He'll get volume. Um, he doesn't really have too much competition there in that backfield. I, I have my doubts that Foreman's going to be able to come back from the injury or it's going to be a while. And when Lamar Miller was playing with Deshaun Watson, he was the RB11. If you extended it out the 2017 season, I know that's dangerous. He would have been the RB11. So I like Lamar Miller. Not that he's necessarily going to um, be this RB1 and win you your, your fantasy league, but he's going to be a solid contributor and a guy you can get that's going to exceed his production for, for what you have to pay for him or where you have to draft him. So Lamar Miller, one of my guys, one of my, 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 my Joe bro. Well, I'm going to jump in here. I, I love this pick. This was going to be one of my picks, actually. I went to the sheet and saw he'd already taken him. I mean, all Lamar Miller has done for the past four seasons is reach or exceed 1,200 yards of total offense, and he's averaged, I think, eight touchdowns a year. You know, even without extrapolating that finish, Ryan, and PPR, he was the 14. He was running back 14 last year. He's going right now, I think, is like running back 22 or 23, somewhere in that range. I mean, he ha- I, j- I read a tweet earlier today, actually, in preparation for the show. In, in 16 snaps that the first-team offense has played in Houston, Lamar Miller has been on the field for 16 of them. That's You can't get any better than that. I mean, the guy's going to be on the field. I think this offense is going to be dynamic this year. I know that their defense is getting back some guys. I think their defense is going to be better than a lot of people expect. And I think there's going to be some positive game scripts for them. Talk about the fact that you've got the mobile quarterback and what that does for opportunities for the running game. DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller on the outside. Man, I, I think that the sky's the limit. I, I think knowing that there's going to be some injuries at the top, running back one is easily within the reach of Lamar Miller if he can stay healthy this year. I, I, I really think that he is um, – being criminally undervalued uh, for 2018. I, I I can jump in here. The so uh, do you guys did you guys own Lamar Miller last year at all in any leagues? I did not last year. I, I had them. In- it was awful. <laughs> it was awful to own Lamar Miller, and I'm not kidding. Like it's not. It's a. So I know that his end of the season stats look okay, and he had some good games with Deshaun Watson. But that I mean the one outlier, like even the Seattle game, he had 21 carries for 54 yards, and he had his receiving touchdown. But that was kind of like an outlier on the season. And he was horrible to watch. He gets he got knocked down all the time on first contact. He ran so soft compared to everybody else on the team. And I know it's the same argument that he had last year that he's the the only one on the team that's going to do anything. I I, I draft him. I like him. Like don't get me wrong. Like I don't mind this him being your Joe Bro whatsoever. But uh, he my my concern is that uh, we're going on a super small super small sample size, and their offensive line is now ranked thirty two up in the league, which is the worst. Uh, and I just don't know that he is going to be any better. And he, if he's not, you know, if he's not going to get full effort or if he gets tackled on like first hits, it's just watching him was so terrible last year. It's hard for me to get super excited about him again, but I think he's fallen enough where you can pick him up pretty cheaply. And so he can be that kind of like plug and play. Like, Hey, I'm going to get like an okay base here. Like he's not gonna put up zero points. Now, fair enough. He definitely faded down the stretch and that offensive line is atrocious. There's no doubt about it. And, and this, um, you know, these chips I'm putting on him have a, I'm putting a lot of faith in Deshaun Watson coming back and, and making that offense go. 
And if that doesn't happen, if he, and I know he's going to regress naturally, but, but no, there, there's, yeah, you have to have a little bit of faith. Um, Jordan, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you look at the pace that he was on with Watson, it's tough to argue with him. I mean, you, but again, you look at like, we can say, you know, Oh, it was tough to own him last year. He had more starter, more top 24 weeks last year than Devante Freeman than Jordan Howard. I mean, you know, Tevin Coleman, you know, uh, I don't know. I think he has plenty of viability this year. I think that he's, again, he was on pace to be like, like a top 10 running back when Watson was in the offense. Does that continue at the same pace? No. But one of the stories I think that people don't talk about in terms of that Houston offense last year was how much it helped the running game instead of the, as really as much as the passing game. Uh, it was, it wasn't a high volume passing attack. I think Watson was only on pace for like 486 passes last year. It was, it helped the running game plenty. So I think that there's plenty of viability there. I'm not afraid of Foreman. Like I like Miller quite a bit this year to finish in the top, the top 12 at running back. So uh, with, with Watson, uh, how, or in general last year, how many hundred yard rushing games did Lamar Miller have? He had zero. Yeah. What was his high? I want to say it wasn't even 80. Yeah, it was 75 yards. Yeah. And that was with, I think, Deshaun Watson playing against Tennessee when they won 57 to 14 when he should be blowing those guys out. Uh, I, I, and I'm not, I don't, I don't want to say this is like just a, like, like I'm against Lamar Miller in some weird way, but uh, he is a, a top 12 running back to me is, is like versus like a guy like Jay Ajayi. If you're going to bank on touchdown upside, I mean, Lamar Miller is not going to, I mean, he had a couple touchdowns when he was with Deshaun Watson. But other than that, like he's not, he wasn't lighting up the scoreboard. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you're relying on Lamar Miller. You probably can get him as like your RB three in most of these drafts. You're not necessarily counting. On, I mean, yeah, I think he'd be fine as an RB two. Frankly, you're not counting on him to, you know, be this bow cow running back that's going to carry your team to victory. But I think he's one of those pieces that you might have on a successful dynasty team. And I, I think one of the things too is that he definitely did not. I, I don't know how did he produce down the stretch. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but I, I don't think well. And I think sometimes when we own players and they don't produce right down the stretch, you really want to fade them and i don't know maybe we'll, we'll see he's interesting a polarizing joe bro for sure <laughs> yeah well i mean i, and I own him places too like it just uh yeah oh uh, it's how do you I didn't, I didn't know i was gonna get so heated i love it, it. yeah well the thing is i like him it just is like, it just he just is also it brought back some memories i guess <laughs> i mean he was on pace for when watson was in the game like he was on pace for 1400 yards of total offense over a 16 game period and 11 touchdowns like yeah he struggled down the stretch but they lost what six games in a row and were in negative game script like they weren't going to get him like a, a ton of like I don't think that last year the inference to draw is that he was bad down the stretch I think it's you're trying to capture an upside with this guy and I, like he's he has plenty of it I mean he was on pace for 1400 yards and 11 touchdowns when Watson was in the game. I know it's a small sample size, but that's like, that's sort of the range of outcomes you're shooting for when you're talking about running back, running backs in the twenties. Yeah. That was a big downgrade at quarterback. I mean, once, once Watson went out, I think it was a TJ Yates. I don't even remember who it was that was taking the bulk of snaps, but the, the thing for me that's fascinating, despite the fact that he was pretty poor last year, total yardage. I mean, uh, as far as, you know, game by game, you know, still 1,200 total yards and six touchdowns. I, I just feel like that's his floor. I mean, I feel like assuming health, I feel like running back 16 to 18 is Lamar Miller's floor and it, the ceiling. So I think, you know, at, at his ADP, you're basically, you're getting a, a bump 
on where you're picking him as a floor. And, and I think that's got to feel super safe because there's nobody there to take touches away from him. And the offense, I think that the ceiling is the ceiling is the roof. Ah, uh, how soon we forget Tom Savage, Trey. Uh. Um, okay, let's let's move a little faster here. I think we've got. Uh, oh, actually, Jordan, you you go, and then we'll go quickly with like like a like a third third guy. So, uh, I'll take Jamal Williams. He's currently running back thirty six, eighty one overall. And last year, Green Bay, you know, missed Aaron Rodgers. But between Aaron Jones, Ty Montgomery, and Jamal Williams last year, they had four weeks of top. Excuse me, they had six weeks of top four running back finishes. So there was two between them. Uh, Jamal Williams played well without without Rodgers in the lineup last year. And I think that he has top 12 upside. You, you know, it's going to be a good offense. I think he's going to be the starter there. Um, Jones is out suspended. Uh, Montgomery, I don't think is just going to be a full-fledged running back. I just have concerns about that transition. I think Jamal Williams is locked in there, and I, I don't think that anyone appreciates that to the extent that they should. So running back 36, 81 overall, I mean, that's – I think he's the type of player that can return massively on that investment. That's music to my ears. And, and oh, he's honorable mention for me. And I, I, since I knew you were coming on the show, I intentionally left him out because I thought you might mention him because I know he's the guy that, that, that you love, that I love too. I feel the same way. Um, I, I don't think I can add anything else. I, I guess I will add the thing with Ty Montgomery too, is, is I think he has that specific role that he's going to fill. And I also worry about that, the sickle cell um, issue with him. I, I think people don't talk about that enough. And I think that like any sickle cell guy, like John Brown's the same with me. Like I, that just really makes me nervous. Cause that's one of those like things that you know can happen during the year. And it has again and again and again. So yeah, but I like the, the, the Williams call. Love it. Love it. Love having a piece of that, that, uh, that Green Bay offense and, th- and that upside, tremendous upside. So w- we've talked about this a lot, uh, guys. What, uh, Trey, where are you with the Green Bay backfield? Do you like Jamal Williams the best? Well, I, you know, I really like Aaron Jones, but I do think that the, the more that uh, we get closer to the beginning of the regular season, I think Jamal Williams I don't think I know he's going to get first shot because Aaron Jones won't be there the first two games. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I do love, I mean, the value is incredible. And I do think that it's going to be Jamal Williams job to lose. So barring an injury and, you know, we kind of saw that last year, it was like, all right, next man up. And, and, you know, one of the guys getting the shot and then they get injured. And so I, I think that he is an incredible buy at his ADP. And I think that he has an, an incredible ceiling. So it's definitely worth taking a shot on. And, and I've said this before, but I, there's a couple salary cap leagues, you know, that I did this offseason where I wrapped up in auction both Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams just to kind of lock down that, that backfield. Again, an elite offense. You kind of want to own those running backs. Yeah, I've done that a couple leagues as well. Will, what do you think? I'm, oh, 100%, I'm 100% on board. I think the, those Packers running backs and – Jamal Williams is he's just so undervalued. But I, I, again, a guy who just be an RB one, and you wouldn't be that shocked if the if, if the Packers had a running back one. All right, so we've we've each got a well, we we've got some honorable mentions. I don't I don't know if we have time to mention, but um, we've all have one more. So let's quickly go through them. Maybe just maybe we can also throw our names out there, and then we can react to them um, in turn. So, Will, why don't you go first? Who who is your um, who's your last guy? 
Well, my last guy that I just want to mention is like Devin Funches. Uh, he wasn't overly efficient last year, and he came into more relevance once Kelvin Benjamin was off the team. But I really like his position and what they're doing there. I think the the Panthers are going to be a better offense than they were last year. And I also I have some faith in, in that a player is going to get better year over year. Last year was the first time Funches was really relevant in an offense with a lot of targets. And he ended up getting hurt, and we have a recency bias of him missing that catch in that Saints-Panthers game that basically cost him the game. You're like, oh, he's just going to be like one step and caught it. And it's you know I'm not a big Devin Funches fan, so for me to even like him or, or take him as one of my Joes bros is, is, was surprising to me. But when I started to look at what he – you know, kind of looking around for these, guy or, uh, these guys and what they're doing, I just think his opportunity and what that offense should be is, is going to be huge. And he is only seven months older than Calvin Ridley. So he came in as a young prospect. He's learning as he goes along. And the narrative street here is he also trained with Mr. Antonio Brown in the offseason. Instead of going back home to Michigan, he went uh, to Miami and trained with Cam Newton and Antonio Brown uh, for the summer. I mean, whether or not that, that translates to anything, you know, whatever. But at least it's a good – at least he's doing that, you know. It, it, and you always want your receivers to train with Antonio Brown. I'll go ahead with Brandon Cooks. Uh, All right, wide, Cooks. wide receiver 19, 43 overall. Um, I think we've talked about him before. I've got a full write-up on analytics at dynasty.com. Go ahead and check it out. You'll see why I'm on Brandon Cooks. All right. Sounds good. We'll, we'll, we'll link it uh, once again in the show sheet. So um, I'll let you close, Trey. I'm just going to jump in and say Corey Davis. And, you know, I, I guess I'm putting a lot of stock in that Titans offense, taking a leap. You know, they've got Matt LaFleur. Peter LaFleur's younger brother. I was impressed what Peter was able to do with the dodgeball team. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, seriously, though, no, I, I think that um, – I think he's going to make a leap. I think he's very talented. He doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses. I think Corey Davis's big weakness is just being healthy. And if he can stay healthy, he's going to put, put it together. And I think he can exceed where he's going in drafts. So, that's my guy, Corey Davis. All right, and I'll wrap us up. I got, I'm going to hit just two running backs real quick. The first one I mentioned before, and that's Carrion Johnson. I still believe that Carrion Johnson, I think that early on in the season, he might not be treated as a bell cow. But I think eventually, I know Riddick's going to continue to be used, but I think Carrion Johnson takes over that role in what I believe to be a really good offense. And I think you guys know that I've said Carrion Johnson over Darius Geis for me. Obviously, that's a little easier with guys getting hurt for the year, but I love Carrion Johnson to really explode onto the scene this year. And then the other guys, Carlos Hyde. Uh, I mean, the guy just doesn't get any respect. He's been a top 15 running back each of the last two years. And the Browns are treating him like their starter. He's looked good in the preseason and he's currently going 94th overall, 94, the end of the eighth round. And you could get potential top 15, top 18 running back production. Um, I think the the worst thing that could happen is that he ends up getting traded I don't see a world where uh, he gets completely worked out of that role unless he gets injured so I like taking a chance on him based on that ADP all right very good and I I do want to say something too this has been bugging me for a while now now we love the fantasy footballers right the fantasy footballers podcast is a great it's really the reason that uh, Trey Will and I came together because we went through foot clan leagues but I have to say we were on carry on Johnson first and we played, we stole from Kansas first before they did carry on my wayward son for carry on Johnson. So we're going to play it right here. And, and the face of footballers, obviously it's, it's theirs. They've claimed it, but it's also ours too. So if you're listening to us for the first time, we were, we had it first. Okay. We stole it from Kansas fair and square before they did. <laughs>
Yeah, and shout out to Matt Waldman because he's the first one that really kind of endorsed. I, I remember watching Carryon Johnson at Auburn and Matt Waldman and his RSP, the write-up and how highly he ranked him was the first one that really kind of made me believe what I thought about him and, and kind of, you know, you see things on film, but, you know, you, you're kind of like, man, it's a little crazy that I think he's, you know, should be this high. And then you see someone like Matt, who I really respect from a rookie perspective. And um, anyway, shout out to Matt Waldman. Go get, go get the RSP and the analytics of Dynasty. Jordan, thank you for joining us again. Th- this was an awesome conversation. Once again, where do the people go to get your book, to get the strategy session before September 2nd? Yeah, you can go to analyticsofdynasty.com. There's some content up there. Again, the Brandon Cooks article about why you should be on Brandon Cooks is, is up there. Um, there's some other content uh, that's just sort of a preview of some of the stuff that I will be talking about in my book. Um, go ahead and pre-order by, before September 2nd. Uh, it's $25. The, it'll get you the book when it comes out, and we'll get together at some point and do a one-on-one strategy session, whether it's in season or whether it's uh, to do – prepare for startups next season. We'll get together and do a strategy session. Um, go ahead and order 25 bucks. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Twitter at McNamara dynasty. And the great thing about strategy session too, is that you can come to Jordan with whatever you want. You can say like, Hey, this is a dynasty team. I'm having problems with. It's an orphan that I decided to take on and I don't know where to start, or you can just talk general strategy. So it's up to you. So you get what, what, whatever you want. So it's awesome. So With that, I want to thank everyone for listening to another episode of the Fantasy Joes. We come at you very, very, we come at you weekly, very early Mondays with new episodes, but just for a few more Mondays because we're moving to Thursdays, everybody, during the season. But be sure to subscribe so you don't miss us. You'll never miss an episode. And leave us a review. It's been a while since someone has left us a review, so we'd love a positive review. It helps us a lot. Please, please do it. You can find us on Twitter. The Fantasy Joes Twitter handle is at FFJoes. Trey is at Trey Barrett. Will is at Fantasy Joe underscore Will. And I'm at Roto Librarian. And on behalf of Trey Barrett and Will Greenwood, I'm Ryan Livergood. And we are the Fantasy Joes. That's right. We are the Fantasy Joes. Joining me, <laughs> as always, we've this got Trey so Barrett. Well, let me start. Let me start over. Why am I having problems with this? I'm going to introduce Jordan and you guys. Okay, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Fantasy Joy. The Fantasy Joys. Uh, uh, it's well, going to happen every like, time now. Outtakes. Outtakes. Joys. Joys. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that, like, that's one of the good things about my book is that, like, the information that you're going to get, not everyone's getting right. Because I'm not, you know, I'm, there's some stuff that are some previews over at my site, but I, I haven't really put out a lot of the, you know, Ryan, you might be able to talk about this. Like I haven't put out like what I would consider like are the goods, you know, I'm sort of holding that back. And there's some key things that in there that I think that can really shape your mindset on how to, on really how to get an edge. And I think if you do that, like you can, you know, like I said, just bumping up your, like just reducing your miss rate. And just doing those sorts of making those sorts of decisions, optimizing the positions that you're taking, where you're taking them in the draft, those decisions. um, I think those matter more than the player. And, uh, you know, you want to take players that reflect a successful strategy, not, uh, you know, not try and figure out which player is the best, you know, which player reflects a successful strategy make those types of investments a lot and you'll be really successful. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And you're right. There's a lot of good stuff and we don't want to talk about it now, Jordan, because, 
I'm playing against leagues, you know, with, with Trey and Will, so I need all the advantages I can I can get this year. So, well, and and our listeners for that matter. So, <laughs> oh, I'm ordering the book. I'm I'm getting the book. I've already been darn it. I've already been convinced to do that. So, <laughs> well, Ryan's not going to like this because we uh, play in a, quite a few leagues together. But I just completed my purchase. I saw that. the analytics of Dynasty, and uh, I am actually. In preparation for our chat, I'm going to just go through and look at the leagues that I'm going to be competing most closely with Ryan's teams, and that is those are the leagues we're going to talk about. <laughs> Why did I bring you on the show, Jordan? 